Hello, parents, teachers, and clinicians. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. I am your hostess with the Moses, Aaron Huey. Thank you for joining me here as we talk about ADHD and ADD. And if you're a parent with ADHD or you've got children with ADHD, or if you're wondering, then this week's episode is absolutely for you. I have Laura Dawn on with me, and I hope that you have already met her because she has hosted these unbelievable summits with all these experts, <coughs> uh, including yours truly, to be a part of her ADHD summits where she's just gathering these people and putting them together. She's got another one coming up and I had to have her on so that you can get connected to it and just get as much support and information as you can. I'm gonna talk about Laura in a second, but I've said many times that I am an ADHD adult. And if I don't use this, I'm gonna lose it. And so I use it. And I really work hard to make sure that my ADHD is my superpower and not my kryptonite. And so let's keep that theme of strength-based dialogue around what our kids are dealing with. And if I, like I said, if you're an adult dealing with it, then let's keep the strength-based dialogue and understanding of what it is we've actually got going on. And let's talk to Laura Donnelly. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing, and leaving a review on iTunes because it does help parents find the show, those parents who need the show, and get the support that you're getting from the show. Laura, thank you for being on Beyond Risk and Back. It's good to see you again. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. I'm so excited to be here. I think you have given me the best compliment in the whole universe the other day when we were recording my segment for your next summit, which by God, I, I still realize that I, I like talked for like 45 minutes straight <laughs> without taking a breath. But when you told me you were nervous about being on the show, I was like, oh, that's the best compliment. So thank <laughs> you for seeing this show as that way. But I'm glad to have you on the air. You do great work. Your Facebook community is awesome. I love I love watching and listening to what's going on over there. So let's figure out, let's let's educate my guests on who Laura is and why you've ended up doing what you're doing and everything. So who's Laura? <laughs> well, um I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. I'm a parent coach. Um, both of my children have ADHD. And even though I was a teacher and I was a special ed teacher um, when my first son was diagnosed and I, you know, being a special ed teacher, I had, a, I had some information about ADHD. I had some knowledge about it. Um, but even though I had that background, I was really overwhelmed. My kids, well, my first son was diagnosed with ADHD. There was a lot to deal with in the ADHD world. Um, my kids had really big emotional outbursts. They had difficulty with impulse control. They were hyper, they were hands-on. And I really struggled. Um, and, and I was lucky because I had a village of support. I had my parents to support me. I had doctors and therapists and all sorts of support. Um, but it wasn't until I started working with a life 
coach that things really changed for me. Um, I learned about how my thinking and how my feelings impact my actions. And once I was able to um, take a deep dive into my, my thinking process and understand how my thoughts create my feelings, which drives my actions, um, things changed for me. I became much more calm, much more confident in my parenting. And the ripple effect was amazing. My children seemed more calm. They fought with each other less. They listened more. I felt more connected with them. Even my relationship with my husband improved. Um, and I was so excited about this transformation in my life that I thought I've got to get this message out to other moms who are struggling. I felt like I hit the jackpot or something discovering <laughs> what I discovered. So from that, the ADHD village was born. And here I am now supporting other parents who are raising kids with ADHD. This is incredible because it's so many people who bring gifts to the table. Um, and, and this is a weird dichotomous concept for life coaches and parent coaches and business coaches and et cetera, et cetera, is that you bring this experience of reality to the table, not just, you know, I've got three PhD in development and, you know, uh, uh, parent psychology and blah, blah, blah. But, the, but so many parent coaches and, and support teams that do the best work, just like in the 12 steps, just like in the recovery industry, these are people who are going through it. These are people who have gone through it. When people find out that I have had a parent coach for 12 years, <laughs> that, that they're, they're like, oh. And as a business person, you think, well, that's bad marketing. You're supposed to be perfect. <laughs> but none of us are, are we? Absolutely not. And that's, that's so um, valuable for parents to know that you've been through this too. Um, you know, I, I, my background is in psychology. I have an honors degree in psychology. I have a degree in education. I have 22 years of teaching experience. Um, but it was my experience as a mom coping with kids with ADHD. And then my experience being coached that really changed things for me. Um, <laughs> and I know how hard it is to raise kids with ADHD. I really know. I know what it feels like to be honestly, like sitting on the floor crying because I don't know what to do and I don't know how to support my kids and just feeling completely rock bottom, exhausted, burnt out. Um, and it doesn't have to be that hard. And, and that's, that's why I got into coaching because I want to help parents to do better so that they can support their kids. When, when was the first moment where somebody said something about children and ADHD where you were like, oh, <laughs> that's what's happening? That's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, my oldest son, when he was quite young, um, my, my sister noticed that there was some things with his behavior that were a little bit different. And 
being a first time mom, I didn't see it because it was my first time being a mom. And to me, he was absolutely perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, my, my sister, because she's a teacher as well, she noticed that there were some behaviors that were worth investigating Um, more hands-on kinds of things. Um, Very easily frustrated more so than, than kids of that same age, but I had nobody to compare it to. Now, I remember you and I were talking the other day, your second child, um, that diagnosis wasn't as cut and dry. There, there, was, there was a process, and, and you're even kind of still going through the process of understanding almost the spectrum of ADHD, that it's not some clear they do A, B, C, D, and E, and that's it, and that's all. Because you've got another kid that your older kid is like, Mom. That's not ADHD, <laughs> but you're like, well, actually that is. Talk about that. I, I, I love that you asked this. So ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a neurobiological disorder. The name is somewhat deceiving. People yeah. with ADHD really do not have a deficit of attention. They seem to have, you know this, Aaron, an abundance of attention <laughs> with the ability to focus on things that interest them for extended periods of time hyperfocus. Um, and, and the word hyperactivity may also be misleading because some people with ADHD have the inattentive type and maybe their hyperactivity might be in their brain and it's not what you can see from the outside. Right. Um, but ADHD can look different from person to person. So for some people, it's daydreaming, not following instructions, blurting things out, poor self-regulation, big emotions, messy, late, always getting into trouble. Um, and so for my kids, my oldest has the combined type. And when you have that hyperactive type, it's easier to see. It's easier for parents to see. It's easier for teachers to see. My youngest has the inattentive type. And that one's a little bit harder to see um, because he's not so um, hands-on. He's not hyperactive. Um, he's quiet. He's, he's daydreaming. Um, (laughs) I I was, I mean, he was eight or nine years old and I would be concerned, um, about him walking home from the school bus because I was concerned that he wouldn't notice and walking along the sidewalk that he might not notice a car backing in and out of the driveway. Like he just didn't notice things. Um, so with my oldest, the very obvious combined type ADHD, it was very easy to get a diagnosis and start treatment. And he started his treatment from the age of five. Your, your older son would have noticed the car backing out the color of the car, what was in the car, what the person was wearing. And he would have forgotten it all five minutes later, but he would have noticed everything. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And from a young age, I let him ride his bike to school because I knew he saw everything. (laughs) And then, so with my youngest, I think he was about eight years old when we first um, investigated ADHD for him because I was seeing very clear signs. Um, But the teachers didn't see it. And in order to get the diagnosis, he had to have um, ADHD symptoms in two different environments. So at home and at school. But the teachers weren't seeing it because he's such a smart kid. He's a people pleaser. Um, so he was able to use like every ounce of his energy while he was at school to stay focused, to, to do the things that the teachers asked him to do, to cooperate with the kids. 
And it wasn't until he got home from school that he let it all out. (laughs) And we got to see the ADHD symptoms, but the teachers weren't seeing it. So it took much longer for him to get his diagnosis. And as you said, my oldest has a hard time accepting that the youngest has ADHD because their ADHD looks so different. <laughs> Wait a bit. Now that you've you've been running these summits and have had so many experts on, um, should there be a a spectrum classification for ADHD? Is it is it that broad, or is it is that still? not really quantifying it, you know, like with, with autism, there's such a huge spectrum, you know, at one end of the spectrum of autism, they're saying, well, every 12 year old boy is showing up on the autism spectrum. And then there's the completely nonverbal, you know, non-functional autism and the whole gamut in between is ADHD like that in your opinion? That's a great question. And the short answer is yes. (laughs) Um, the DSM-5 criteria um, doesn't seem to cover all the aspects of ADHD. Yeah. I, I feel that the inattentive type is more often missed. ADHD in girls is often not diagnosed. Yeah. Often um, women get their ADHD diagnosis in adulthood after their children are diagnosed. So yes, I do feel it's a huge spectrum of, of symptoms. And um, we need to look at at more at look at the emotional piece of, of ADHD, that's not in the criteria right now. And anybody who's raising a child with ADHD, I think the number one thing that they would bring up is the, the emotional regulation challenges. So I, I do think that the criteria needs to, to get looked at and, and look, look at it from um, different perspectives, because a lot of the data is based on um, young, white, male wow. children. So we need to take into consideration, you know, different, um, different cultures, different races, different age groups, dif- different genders, like we need to consider a wider range. So let's talk about that aspect of it. Um, the, this range First of all, what are things that you know, uh, in ta- again, talking to all these experts that you've had access to and you share your access with so many people, what are some of the things about ADHD that you're learning that demonstrate that range, but even you, are who are an, is an expert in your own right, is coming out going, wow, that's an ADHD so I, I mean, not knowing, being so ADHD would make sense that I didn't know my daughter had it. But now that she's 25, 26, and be like, uh, dad, and I was like, wow, you really do. Like, like, how did I miss that? Uh, but that's because I, I miss a lot of things that are right in front of my face because I'm paying attention to everything that's in front of my face. But what are the things you're learning that you're like, that's an ADHD, you know, thing? Like... What are some of the new stuff you're saying? Um, I think, I think for women, um, a lot of anxiety and depression ends up being undiagnosed ADHD. So that was something quite interesting for me. Um, a lot of women who are struggling with mental health issues, often, often it first seems to appear as anxiety 
or depression, and it turns out to be undiagnosed ADHD. Um, there's a lot of sensory processing yeah, concerns that go along with ADHD. I, well. I to this day tags in my shirt. Like, like I, I cannot, if I have a tag in my shirt, I cannot go through a day without consistently thinking of that because it just overloads my sensory system. Like, like it, it is, it is a, and I tear them out and I ruin shirts because I would <laughs> rather be comfortable in my shirt and move on from the thought. Uh, being sensitive to smells or tastes, or like you said, with a tag in your shirt, different textures and feels, um, and that can impact eating too. Sometimes kids are really fussy eaters. And it might have to do with the textures and the smells of the, the food that are impacting them. Wow. What, in your opinion, is the, the number one thing that on your ADHD village, your group on Facebook, which again, I absolutely adore, <laughs> your, what is the number one thing that parents come to the village with saying, what about this? And maybe it's their own experience or watching their kids experience. What's their number one point of contact with you when they're talking about the, the struggles they're having? Yeah. Um, the number one thing for most parents is dealing with the emotional regulation. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so interesting that that's not part of the, the criteria for ADHD, but the emotional regulation. So parents will say that their kids have really big, angry outbursts and first of all they want to know like is this a normal part of ADHD yeah. and yes it is um or or their children fight a lot with their siblings or with peers at school um they might often be very anxious and their anxiety may look like you know what we typically think of anxiety that worried um, shy, withdrawn kind of behavior, or their anxiety may look very prickly and angry and aggressive. And that can also be the anxiety. So parents come to me with a lot of questions about how to help their kids process their emotions. And how can the parents stay calm while their kids have these big explosive reactions. You know, I can speak from, you know, being adult who still has to deal with that emotional regulation, but I can remember as a kid and it just kind of dawned on me how to explain this to parents. I remember as a kid getting angry, whether at my two younger brothers or at my parents, and it would escalate into yelling and punching holes in the wall, like within moments and to everybody else, it's going to seemingly come out of nowhere. Like just that the level of anger to which something didn't happen and the rage would just like a geyser in my own body. <clears throat> and one way I just realized that I could explain this is it feels like, no, I think that someone with ADHD probably has 10 times the amount of thought in the same amount of time that you have one to three thoughts. So that's why it looks like it's massive because I've spun into 30 concepts while you've approached 10 concepts. And because I'm in an emotional deregulated states, those are happy concepts. Those aren't good concepts. And the anxiety and the depression and the frustration of not fitting in has also been added on top. And I've now thought about that and how it is at home is the same way at school. And, and it, our brains move so fast 
And so it looks like this complete deregulation for all intent and purposes it is, but that's why it happens so huge. So quick is because that's how our brain works. I, I love how Dr. Hallowell explains the ADHD brain and it's such a nice analogy to explain to kids. So he says the ADHD brain it is like a brain with a Ferrari engine. So just the way you describe it, this brain is moving fast. It's creative. It's, um, it's the out of the box thinking it's smart. It's like, it's amazing. It's fast. And the kids love to compare their brains to a Ferrari engine. Um, I, I remember when my son was little, I, I told him he had a Ferrari engine brain. He laughed. He's like, Oh, the other kids are driving minivans and little cars and I've got a Ferrari that's perfect. and that's great. But the, the difficulty is with that Ferrari engine that you don't have Ferrari brakes, you have bicycle brakes. So the brakes are what's required for the impulse control. You need your brakes to access your prefrontal cortex to get all those executive functioning skills, the planning, um, the being able to decide whether your um, behaviors are appropriate or not. Um, all that logic that comes from the prefrontal cortex. Kids with ADHD have a hard time accessing that because their brains are just, they're going so fast, but their braking system is a bicycle braking system. So we can really support our kids by putting strategies in place to help improve their brakes, to help teach them how they can uh, regulate their emotions, how we, we can help them with you know, strategies for um, when they get into difficulty with, with peers, how they can solve problems. Um, so all those little strategies that we put in place for them helps them to strengthen their bicycle brakes. I have a Ferrari brain. That's it. I have a Ferrari brain. All y'all driving minivans telling me how I should be thinking. You got to come. Look, here's 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 what I love about talking to experts like Lara is very simply this. It's these types of shows that allow us to begin to understand that this is not about our child's willingness like this is all that they're willing to do. They're not willing to consider other thoughts. They're not willing to act a different way. When we're talking about neurodivergence, we're talking about capability. This is what your child's capable of doing. And if your child is dealing with ADHD or, or being on spectrum or dealing with drugs, depression, anxiety, You've got to understand the difference between capability and willingness because punishing capability, if this is all they're capable of, then you can cause a lot of damage. You can cause more harm. Capability and willingness is just one of the concepts that I teach about in my parenting masterclass. And I want you to go to brabapp.com, B-R-A-B, app.com take that little 10 question quiz to find out whether you should start in the red the yellow or the green because it is about the parents understanding it's why you're listening to this show right we're going to talk about tools and tactics and tricks with laura after but this is about how are you doing do you actually understand what's going on with your child's brain so that you can connect 
Before You Correct, which happens to be another one of the courses in the Parenting Masterclass. I priced this course at less than a week's worth of coffee. It just won a tally. The, the, the director and producer has two Oscars and two Emmys. It is a high quality program, but I priced it low because I want every parent to have access to it. Go to brabapp.com, B-R-A-B, for Beyond Risk and Back. Brabapp.com. Take the quiz, and let's get started with the understanding, with the foundations. That's what we're going to talk about when we get back with Laura. We talk about the foundations of being a parent of a teen that struggles. Let's get back to Laura. Okay, so... Now what I want to know, as we just start to get into the strategies and tactics, and what I love what you just said is that if you're telling your kid they got a Ferrari brain, then there's a very specific use for a Ferrari in the same way that there's a specific use for a minivan. And the worst thing we do is to try to use our minivan like a Ferrari or you treat a Ferrari like a minivan. And that allows us to step into parenting in such a way that we can begin to access and exercise our child's strengths. That's why I call this a superpower. So, Laura, I want to know what the best things are that you do as as a mom to two ADHD kids. There's so many. But I want to start off with how you were talking about um, celebrating the strengths. And yeah, these Ferrari engine brains are different than the minivan engine brains. And we want to celebrate that. Our kids with ADHD, by the time they're 12 years old, they're receiving 10,000 more pieces of negative feedback than their um, neurotypical peers. So that's a lot of negativity for these little kids to deal with. Can I, can I just say, and, and really reiterate for parents what you just said, So much of my life and who I am as an adult has been developed through the negative feedback I got. Now, my parents were awesome. So I'm not, this is not a finger point at my parents, but friends, kids who weren't my friends, teachers, employers, it, it, this hypervigilance that runs my life, that has my serotonin levels over the top is because I am constantly on the lookout for negative feedback mm-hmm. because that's what I'm used to. It, it, it's, that's got to be one of the most important things that, that you've been able to avoid, Laura, is, is really being able to celebrate. Yeah, this negative feedback thing versus being able to celebrate your kid for the way they are. Yeah, and, and I'll give an example of that. I've, I have a child in my class because I, I am a school teacher. I have a child in my class who's struggling with um, hands-on behavior. And in one day, he must have had five incidences where he solved his problems with his hands. So he pushed or hit or whatever it was. And we were going out for a walk and there was a problem. Somebody pushed him and he did not, this one time, he did not push the child back. He came to me and told me what happened. I celebrated with him that moment. And when mom picked him up at the gate and she said, how was his day? I didn't mention the five times that he pushed. I told her all about the one time when he came to me with his problem. I said, wow, you know, he had a problem. So 
somebody used their hands on him and it would have been so easy for him to push back, but he didn't. He kept his hands to himself and he came right to me and he explained the problem. And I'm so proud of him. This shows me that he's trying so hard to use his strategies. It shows me that he's taking it seriously. It shows me that he wants to be a good friend. And what this did, you should have seen the child just beaming. He was so proud of himself. Um, and then, so what that does is that gives them, the parents now an opportunity to celebrate with him at home. And celebration is so good for your brain. Our brain loves reward. It's wired for reward. So celebration is the ultimate reward, whether it's something small or something big. So something, you know, just like giving a, a fist pump or a high five or doing a little happy dance, trying to get in as much celebration as we can is great for the brain. So what happens when we're celebrating Imagine the fireworks that you see on the 4th of July or Victoria Day. Um, when you celebrate, your brain releases feel-good chemicals and endorphins, just like fireworks. So it releases dopamine. Dopamine communicates with the prefrontal cortex, our conscious thinking brain. When dopamine is released, it helps our brains to focus on important tasks and ignore distractions and access our working memory for problem-solving tasks. So by celebrating, you release dopamine. The dopamine communicates with your prefrontal cortex. And when your prefrontal cortex is activated, you are better able to focus. Fun fact, people with ADHD have um, uh, an imbalance of dopamine. So by celebrating, we're helping with that dopamine balance. Also, when you celebrate, serotonin is released and serotonin is known for having positive effects on mood, cognition, reward, learning, memory. People with ADHD often, often, sorry, often suffer with um, anxiety and depression, which involves an imbalance of serotonin. So giving a nice boost of serotonin boosts people's moods, help them feel, helps them to feel better, helps them feel more powerful and confident. Um, also when we're celebrating with, with the kids that we love, we're, um, increasing their oxytocin, which helps them with bonding and connection and feeling loved and, and being able to trust. So celebrating our kids' accomplishments, noticing what they do well, and really celebrating that can go such a long way for these kids. So this being one of the best things that you do, which if it's something you're good at and you see the effects on your kids, um, you know, it, it, it's such an easy thing to promote and to celebrate. What do you say to the mom, the dad, who's in the midst of that fatigue that's sitting on the floor crying? How, how do you get them from that to celebrating? Yeah, that's such a great question because when you are, as you said, with the four Fs, fatigued, so let me see if I can remember them, <laughs> fatigued, um, <laughs> frustrated. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm... There are only three and the third one was fear. Fear. Because, I mean, look at, look at with the ADHD. It's like, there, it is, it feels like a death sentence to parents. They've said, oh my God, if your kid's got ADHD, they now have a 100% chance of going to prison forever. And you're just like, oh God. And yeah, there, there's going to be some struggles. You're in for it 
But so, so how do you cross from, oh my God, to, oh, we got this? Such a good question. So yeah, parents can be extremely overwhelmed, especially, you know, you open up a book and you look at the statistics and, and you know, what some of the side effects of ADHD could be, especially if left untreated and it's a lot of doom and gloom. And you're dealing with all the stress of the, the ADHD on, on a daily basis. You're dealing with your kids not listening and slamming doors and fighting with their siblings and getting in trouble from school. And you're getting the phone calls from the teachers and it's exhausting, draining. And as a parent, you can feel like you're doing everything wrong. What happens is when you're in that state of mind and that's where your brain is going, there's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system. This is like the bouncer that lets things into your brain. We can't process everything around us. There's just way too much. So our our brain puts things on automation. You know, we don't think about the steps to brush our teeth or the steps it takes to walk up and down the stairs. Our brain does things automatically. So if you have the thought, parenting my child with ADHD is too stressful and overwhelming, well, the bouncer is now gonna say, okay, that's a familiar thought. Let's let everything into the brain that shows that ADHD is overwhelming and I I just can't do it. So anytime your child struggles with something, your brain's going to say, yep, see, see, that's right. Uh, ADHD is overwhelming. Um, Your child slams a door. Your brain says, yep, see, he slammed the door. This is too much. This is too hard. I can't do this. This is overwhelming. So your reticular activating system is tagged to notice all those negative things. This is where celebration can help parents. So choose something, anything. It could be something small. Find something positive to celebrate. So maybe um, your child gave you a hug. And that's maybe not something small. That could be something big, but something. Or, you know, I asked my child to bring his dish to the counter and he did it. Focus on one success. Celebrate it. Wow, he brought his dish to the counter. And it doesn't matter and how small. No, tiny, tiny, tiny. And and say to your child, I really appreciate that you listened and you brought your, your dish when I asked you. That shows me that you're responsible. That shows me that you care about, you know, getting chores done around the house and that you care about whatever it is. Like give them lots of praise, celebrate it. And then what that's doing for your brain is it's telling your reticular activating system to look for other moments when your child listens. So then you may notice that you said to your child, go brush your teeth and they listened. Ooh, look at my, my child does listen. Um, yeah. So it can be really hard when, and I'm thinking about myself, I vision my envision myself when my kids were little and I was sitting on the living room floor crying With the phone in my hand, I called my dad and I said, dad, where are you? And he said, oh, I'm driving to work. I said, no, (laughs) come to my house right now. I can't do this right now. I need help. (laughs) So I'm picturing myself in that moment. So I get how frustrating it is. I know how hard it is. I know how scared you can be, but look for those little moments that you can celebrate and it rewards your brain. It gives your brain the release of the serotonin 
and oxytocin and dopamine. And while those things are firing in your brain, your brain cannot release cortisol at the same time. So that stress and overwhelm you're feeling, if you can focus on something to celebrate, something to be grateful for, your brain cannot release the stress hormones at the same time. Okay. Let's talk about this summit you've got coming up. First of all, can you explain to the listeners what a summit is? Okay. So it's like an online conference. Um, it's something that I started doing when my kids were young. Um, I started going to conferences to gather and collect information. And so this is an online conference. I have over 30 speakers and I handpick my speakers very carefully. That's why I have Aaron Huey. <laughs> my first summit and now my second summit. wait a minute so wait I a minute dopamine rush <sighs> okay <laughs> and i hope you're feeling the love too well, i feel the love <laughs> and my endorphins are kicking in and now i got to go to the gym because now i will not be able to focus for the rest of the day <laughs> yeah so i handpicked my my speakers very carefully each person has something to offer um that's a little bit different but they're all experts in the field of adhd and parenting um, I have Dr. Edward Hallowell, who's, wow. who I spoke about earlier, who's the author of ADHD 2.0. He's a psychiatrist. He has ADHD himself, so he's fabulous. I have parenting coach Jennifer Kalari, who I absolutely love. She's from um, Connected Parenting. Um, Stephanie Pinto, who's an emotional intelligence coach. She's brilliant. Uh, there's so many amazing speakers. Um, um, oh my goodness. I have people who are talking about self-regulation, emotional regulation, parenting skills, how ADHD shows up in girls compared to boys. Um, lots of, um, speakers that are talking about, um, how we can help our kids in school. So whether it's communicating with teachers, IEPs, um, executive functioning skills, so all of these speakers are available in a free online virtual event. It runs over the course of five days. So from March 21st to March 25th. And all you have to do is you go to www.commingtheadhdfamily.com and you enter in your name and your email address. And then magically you will get emails sent to your inbox Every day between March 21st and March 25th, the interviews will be sent to your inbox and there'll be about eight released every day. And then after those five days, the following weekend, I'm going to release all the, this is kind of a surprise, surprise. <laughs> I'll release all the, the um, interviews again. So you have access, 48 hour access um, over the, the course of the weekend. So it is if you'd like to attend it this way, it's completely free. If you're somebody like me who doesn't feel like you can watch eight interviews in one day, then there is the option to purchase the VIP all access pass, which gives you access to all the interviews for um, one year. Plus it gives you um, an action workbook, which kind of helps guide you as you're watching the interviews. And it also gives you um, a, an added bonus, which is called the 21 day baddest challenge for kids which helps kids to learn about their adhd brains 
and helps kids put strategies in place so that they can cope with their ADHD better. You're also the ADHD village. This, this website that you have, there's kind of a, a central hub for people. You want parents to come visit here as well? Sure, they can. <laughs> and then um, the ADHD village online, like your, your Facebook group, like I've, I cannot love it enough. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that, that, that's where I started was with the ADHD Village Facebook group. And that's an online support. Again, it's free yeah. um, for parents. And I hop in there sometimes. I've hopped in there with you to, to do a live to talk about video games. So yep. I bring experts into that um, Facebook group. I hop on and do lives about hot topics. Um, there's lots of opportunities for support from other parents. And you get to be surrounded by a village of people who get it. These, there's parents who get it, who understand where you're coming from. There's no judgment. Um, it's a great place to be. And it really does. It, it, it goes back to that adage that, and, and we all know it. We all say, it. oh, it takes a village. Well, then go to one. Like get there, like like it, and and again, what I love so much about your work, Laura, is that you found yourself at the very beginning saying, "Okay, I need a village, I need support." So you went and got it, and then saw a gap, and went and filled it. And that's the that's what we call the twelve step in recovery. Is okay, great. Now go take the message of hope to people who are still struggling. That's our job on the on the twelfth step, is take the message of hope, and you've done that, and it's good stuff. What are the biggest, what are the biggest mistakes that parents, you you know, I mean, obviously the, some of the stuff we've talked about, but there's the, the, the focusing on the negative, but, but that one aside, what are the biggest mistakes that parents of ADHD kids make? We're hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up. We don't give ourselves compassion. So be compassionate with yourself. Ross Green says kids do well if they can. I believe parents do well if they can too. And if you're not doing well, there's a reason why. Maybe you need to um, work on your self-care. You know, take some time to refill your, your bucket. Do something that you love, that you're passionate about. Make sure that you're getting good quality sleep drinking lots of water, make sure that you're eating nutritious food and getting your exercise. Um, so taking care of yourself is something that you can really do so that you are emotionally regulated. And when you're emotionally regulated, then you're better able to help co-regulate your children and help them handle their big emotions. You gotta get signed up for the summit. And uh, it's free. And and not only that, but I happen to have an inside track on these guests. Every single one of these guests brings a free gift. They, they make an offer while they're there. So you don't just walk away with the information. Like for example, in the, in the summits I've done in the past, I always leave a, leave a URL to come get the family behavior contract to help really create form and shape to what's going on. I think what Laura said at the end is probably the most important thing about how hard on ourselves we are as parents. Stop comparison shopping. Stop comparison shopping your kids 
stop comparison shopping your spouse, your parenting partners, and stop comparison shopping yourself. You are working with what you have from where you are. And if you, if you want different results, then go get other resources. But this is what you've had to work with. You do thick or thin, good or bad, hell or high water. This is what you've had to work with and you've made the best of it and you're doing okay. If you're here getting resources, if you're on Laura's summit getting resources, then you're doing okay. Being a student of growth, a parent of growth. Your kids are watching that. That's what you're modeling. Always be learning. I want to thank Deepin Productions for producing this podcast and making it sound so good. And I want to thank Your Cause Consulting for making sure that this show is in front of all the parents who need to see it and need this information. And I want to thank you, families, for taking care of yourselves and being here, taking care of your mental state, your emotional state, so that your physical, spiritual, and financial can follow. Take care of yourselves first, your adult relationship second, and your children third. That's how we do our best work with our kids. Big thanks to Laura Don and the ADHD Village. Go to theadhdvillage.com and calming the ADHD chaos, the calmtheadhdfamily.com to sign up for her summits. I'll see you next week.